Do we have free will? This question has stumped philosophers for millennia. In recent times, influential thinkers have written about the subject as if believing in free will is pure superstition, and as if not believing in free will is somehow more compassionate. They seem to have neglected the fact that if you rid the person of responsibility altogether, you also rid the person of a meaningful existence and perceive them and the rest of the world in mechanistic terms, as if everything they ever do is predetermined. It's a nihilist dream. What must first be addressed in answering this question is that the question itself is poorly defined. What is meant by free will? The power to make independent decisions and to act on them? The more you think about this, the more you realise how vague the idea is. But let's try to answer the question by asking, is there any possibility that an individual has any power at all to make conscious decisions that are not illusory to act or respond to stimuli in a particular way according to his or her own values? Whether or not we have absolute control over our actions is another question. But let's investigate whether a human being is simply living with the illusion of volition or whether that is an extreme view developed by those wanting an answer on a matter that is as yet not understood to the extent they might like to imagine. I would first like to point out that those who confidently push the idea that we do not have free will are the very people who will also claim that consciousness evolved to begin with so that the creature can observe what is going on and make appropriate decisions. That seems to be forgotten in their rhetoric on free will. Those who denounce free will altogether like to point to Benjamin Labette's research on the matter, somehow neglecting the fact that even Labette himself did not think he had disproven free will. The first experiments on free will were in 1964 when two German researchers placed a device over participants' heads to measure electrical signals while they performed a task. The participants were asked to flex a finger on the right hand repeatedly at any pace that pleased them for up to 500 times per visit. This revealed a very subtle uptick in the electrical pattern, which the researchers later called the readiness potential, or Bereitschaft's potential in German. The researchers believed they had observed the brain readying itself to create a voluntary movement. Twenty years later, Benjamin Labette made the case that not only was the brain ready in itself for action, but that the brain makes its decision to act before the person is consciously aware of it. The idea spread like wildfire, as dramatic ideas do. And still to this day, even lay people bring it up in conversations, as if it were written in stone that our brains decide what we will do, and we are merely passive witnesses. But Labette's original claim had rested on shaky ground to begin with, and studies in more recent years have made it all the more unlikely to be correct. Even Labet himself was less confident of the finding than those who liked to promote the nihilistic perspective. The original study was subject to numerous confounding factors. In the study, they had reported that the readiness potential fired at 500 milliseconds before the action, and that the conscious decision was made only 150 milliseconds before the action. Thinking about this, it is hard to believe that the experiment ever developed authority in the science community. If the participant is reporting the timing of when they made the decision by looking at a clock and reporting the time, how could that possibly be accurate? Can you read a clock in a millisecond and commit the number to memory while also thinking about tapping your finger? Obviously not. The experimental method is very inaccurate. Those confident claims against free will seem all the more absurd when you realise that studies in more recent times have shown the readiness potential may be something else entirely. There is no solid ground on which to assume it causes the action. In 2012, Aaron Scherger and his colleagues at the National Institute of Health and Medical Research in Paris found that the readiness potential is actually a build-up of brain activity that happens while a person is assessing a situation. Since the participants in Labette's study were not given external stimuli to act on, but were instead tapping the finger when they pleased, they would have been more likely to do so when the brain activity was at its peak, as there was nothing else to base the choice on. 
It's a classic example of how isolating humans in a laboratory can sometimes lead to a poor understanding of how humans really are. When you take the wave out of the ocean, you take the ocean out of the wave. Had they been able to study humans in a more dynamic situation, they may well have observed volition. Although I doubt they would have, because the map would inevitably have been mistaken for the territory while using such methodology. The legacy of the readiness potential gets even less impressive when you find other studies have revealed it to be simply a symmetry-breaking signal. When monkeys were studied with the task of choosing between two equal options, a team of researchers observed that the readiness potential correlated with the monkey's upcoming choice before the monkeys were even presented with the options. Or in other words, what was previously thought to be brain activity that causes action is actually brain activity that occurs regardless. In 2012, Scherger and his colleagues decided to repeat Lebet's experiment and to avoid unintentionally cherry-picking brain noise, they included a control condition in which people didn't move at all. Using artificial intelligence, they were able to find the brain activity correlating with the finger tapping. It was found to be at about 150 milliseconds, the same time as the participants had reported making the decision. So in other words, the original interpretation of the Lebet study had created a whole lot of drama over nothing. People's subjective experience of having made a decision to act does coincide with the action. Of course, these less dramatic findings never made headlines. News travels fast only when it shocks and disturbs. The more recent findings may be wrong too, and they don't tell us much about how this really works. But what's important to point out is that the mystery is still there. It's important not to be too quick to believe such a lofty claim as the idea that we do not have free will. Our sense of volition is essential to our sense of responsibility and to our sense of meaningfulness. It is known by clinicians that this is an essential factor in mental health, and so I find it alarming that certain writers have made such confident claims against free will without having done thorough research into the matter. Here's a quote from Benjamin Labette in 2004. Given the issue is so fundamentally important to our view of who we are, a claim that our free will is illusory should be based on fairly direct evidence. Such evidence is not available. End quote. This discussion of free will is an extract from my recently released book, Existential Questions, which is available on Amazon. Earlier on my podcast, I interviewed the well-known author, Dr. Ian McGilchrist, about topics covered in Existential Questions also. I also interviewed Aaron Sugar about his research on free will, and the episodes can be found here on the Jax Pax channel. For interviews with leading scientists, artists, and thinkers on the Jax Pax channel, please subscribe. Thank you for listening.